You're listening to the Party Girl Podcast with Chelsea Curtis, episode seven. So on today's episode, I'm so excited to introduce you to one of my best friends. Her name is Heather Collard. Hey there. So Heather and I have been friends for just about seven, eight years now, eight years, my goodness. And man, we have some good times. And she already told me to (laughs) warn you guys that she's got an embarrassing story to share. We have, yeah, I have a really good story. (laughs) So make sure to stay to the end because you're going to be dying. So Heather and I kind of have two modes. We have this like silly, goofy mode where we're like talking in accents and pretending we're wearing monocles and totally goofy. And the other one is like complete business. So for those of you who don't know who Heather is, you need to go follow her on her Instagram at Heather Collert. Um, I will put it in the show notes so that you can make sure to get the spelling correct because it gets butchered all the time, which to me is just unacceptable. <laughs> yes. Oh, gosh. Right. We always tease and laugh, but Heather is the most gracious. She's actually the executive <laughs> vice president um, at her Family Foundation, which is called the Collard Foundation, where she gives away millions of dollars a year to different charities and 501c3 organizations in Utah, as well as Maryland. So I'm excited to let you kind of have a backseat into the dynamics of our relationship where we are silly, goofy, as well as very focused and business-minded. She's probably my only friend that's that our relationship is that polarizing sometimes. And depending on what time you walk into the conversation, you would have no idea who we were. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We could be talking um, events or politics, or we could be making funny faces and quoting inappropriate movies. It's perfect. I love it so much. (laughs) So let's dive on into this interview. I hope you guys enjoy. So when I first met Heather... Um, We were actually neighbors, and when I realized that she was a philanthropist, in my mind, I instantly went to this image of her with two suitcases full of $100 bills and a leaf blower. For some reason, she was marrying, wearing a monocle and, you know, blowing the money saying, can't get rid of the stuff. Clearly, that's not how a philanthropist job works. There's a lot that goes into it. There's a lot of, you know, building relationships and reporting and making sure that everything that the money is being used towards is ethical and you know, really setting people up for success. So I'm excited to introduce you guys to her. Um, she's a very, very hard woman to get a hold of. So it is my honor and privilege to introduce you to one of my best friends, Heather Collert. Hey there, how's it going? It's going. So we're just <laughs> chilling here in my kitchen recording this and we are total goofballs. And so I wanted to give you a little bit of our backstory on how we became friends. And then I'm going to let Heather sh- share her story on how she got involved with her family's foundation and kind of tell where you are now. So Heather and I were neighbors about eight years ago, and I didn't really know anything about her. She actually had three little kids. I hadn't had kids yet, and I was working, so we kind of saw each other around the neighborhood and at church. And then a few years ago, she moved from the city where we live, where I live now to a neighboring city. And that's when we became really good friends. She hired me to help stage her home to sell it. It sold very quickly. And we kind of just hit it off, and we've been friends ever since. Yeah, I forgot about the the staging of the home. I know. That was fun. That was totally where it took off for me. So tell everybody a little bit about your backstory. Like what, um, you know, how did did you find yourself in this place of becoming the executive vice president of your family's, you know, quarter of a billion dollar organization? Yeah, it's actually a really, really interesting story. Um, When my grandfather passed away in 2011, uh, we as family members didn't know 
um, what kind of an estate that he had grown and and what his plans were for it. And he left it into our private family foundation, and it's called the Colert Foundation. And what that means is that we have the opportunity and responsibility and privilege to be able to give away 5% of that every year. And so I um, approached my dad. He retired from his job to run the foundation. I said, um, let me help you. This is too big of a job. Uh, let's approach the board and geographically move our boundaries to Utah so we can serve in the communities in which we both live in Utah and in Maryland. So just so you guys have a little bit of perspective, Heather is the only family member in Utah. So she really is taking on the entire state pretty much single-handedly. And um, tell me about like what you were hoping to accomplish when you came into the foundation and what things have changed since you've been there. Well, I seriously had no idea what I was getting into. I was I like Chelsea, you know, you hear the word philanthropist and you think that's so cool and awesome and money bags and you get to give it away and and bless people's lives and you do. And it's incredible. Um, but what I didn't understand was how extremely um time consuming and how how um how much work it takes to actually vet the organizations that we work with and make sure that the funds that we are being stewards over and and giving away are being used to help more people um i say a lot of times i work like a venture capitalist um except i look for my roi in human beings and finding which organizations have the best capacity to scale and to help more people is um is a really interesting interesting job and takes a lot of time. Oh yeah, it does take a lot of time and not just that there's meetings that she's attending behind the scenes and then each of these organizations has different events where they're trying to fundraise and you know just make a bigger impact and so if you've ever seen me in an evening gown between you know, even a couple of weeks ago to when we started going to galas together around three years ago, it's usually that I'm Heather's date and we're going to these galas um, to go and support Heather and the different organizations and and continue to foster and build those relationships. So, I mean, is there any sort of like epiphany that you had when you started or as you were continuing on your journey, new opportunities that you discovered in your job and in your new role? So one of the epiphanies that I've experienced um, being kind of baptized by fire into this industry is that um, I believe that nonprofits work in a competitive market like businesses. And something that I have learned to look for in organizations that we support with our dollars, not only our dollars, but our time, the capacity to scale and bring in passive or residual-based income or revenue um, so that they can be more self-sustaining, self-sufficient, um, decrease dependency on uh, corporate social responsibility and other philanthropists, and so that they can build a really lasting program. So a few years ago, I actually had my first real opportunity to work with Heather on her level. Again, I, I think I had this like romanticized idea of what she did and it just seemed super glamorous. And I, you know, it was really easy to see like, oh, this is so fun. Like what a fun job. And, and I realized how emotionally invested she is and how their family 
organization cares so much when I actually ran for Mrs. Utah in 2017. And through that platform, um, I was able to choose an organization that I was passionate about, which was Rocksteady Boxing that helps people who suffer from Parkinson's disease kind of find help and reverse the symptoms of Parkinson's through boxing. And Heather's foundation wrote a $50,000 grant to this organization. And it was amazing for me to really be on the other end of the table and to really rally and, and ask for this grant because I had to write a proposal and I had to come up with all of the things that this money was going to be used for. And it was a lot of work. And I realized, my gosh, this is a hard decision for Heather and the foundation to make as well. And so it really was an eye-opening experience that opened my eyes to something that, again, you just kind of think, oh, that would be so easy to just write checks all day. But there is so much more that goes into it. So question for you, like what's one of the hardest parts of your job in your opinion? Saying no. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Um, yes. So yeah, we work with um, hundreds of organizations in Utah alone. And I tell my organizations every time, first time we write a grant, is that I do two years on and one year off, again, to promote self-sufficiency and decrease dependency. And so after those two years come up and those relationships are built, and I know not only the administration, but the students or the people that that organization serve I know a lot of the board members, and I go there often. They report to me usually quarterly or every six months on how our funds are being used. Um, it's really hard to pull back. And then when they ask for a grant the third year in a row um, to have to say, you know what, this year it's probably not going to go through. Or if for some reason the board which I take all of my grants back to, does not approve a grant to come back and say, I'm really sorry. I know we took all this time with you. I know you took all this time to write this grant proposal, which is not easy. It takes a lot of time, a lot of work. Um, oh, yeah, for sure. There's a lot of numbers. There's a lot of things going into it. I mean, I'm reading 990s. I'm reading audits. Um, and to go back and to have to say, I'm so sorry, uh, the board didn't approve it at this time, or we don't have the funds for this right now, or we don't think it's a good fit for our mission is so incredibly heart-wrenching. And I found that that has been the, the absolute hardest thing. Okay. So I feel like that was a really polarizing question. So I should ask you, what is your favorite thing? Or can you tell me your favorite types of grants or organizations that just make it so fun for you? Oh my gosh, all of them. So the really cool part about nonprofit is that they, like I I said in the beginning, they function very much like business and they all take on their own personal identities and they all have their own incredible models and incredible people behind them. And so my favorite part is always getting to work with not only administration who could take a higher paying job running a business, usually somewhere else, but they don't. They work where they work because they care and they love the people they serve Um, and serving with them and, and working with the individuals 
that that we're helping, whether it be um, the homeless or at the food bank or at the university, the students that we endow, <clears throat> getting to know them is super fun. Uh, the events are always fun. They're always fun, but they're always for a purpose to uh, to ra- raise dollars to help. Okay. I'm really glad you brought up the event space because as you know, this podcast is catered to event planners who want to make events their business. And one piece of that is event planners for nonprofits and events that are of this nature. Um, in your experience, what does it take to pull off a successful nonprofit event? A lot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what types of things do you like to look for um, on the back end as someone who's donating? Because I know you work with the whole team when you are interacting with these organizations and, you know, how they spend their money and what they choose to spend it on is really important. 